Well, there are big hopes this morning that the path out of a COVID world has just opened up before us with stage three trials from Pfizer showing very positive results. There's been big moves on the equity markets and the bond markets and a rush from safe haven currencies. We'll look at that on the news today and the impacts as well and where it could take us. It's quite a week already, isn't it? It's Tuesday, the 10th of November, 2020. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yes, the US dollar is up, actually, 0.7% on the vaccine news. Uh, why? We'll look at that in a moment. The Aussie dollar is up 0.2% as well, whereas the euro is down half percent, the pound losing 0.2%. The US dollar against the yen, 2% up. Big moves in equities. The Dow up 4.8%. The S&P 500 up 3%. The Nasdaq just half a percent up because, well, maybe we won't uh, need some of that home tech soon, perhaps. The bigger rises have been in Europe. The Eurostock's 50 is up 6.4%. The FTSE 100 up 4.7%. And oil, as you might expect, has responded to all of this as well. WTI is up almost 9% to $40.50 a bar- barrel. And bond yields have spiked as well, up 14 basis points for 10-year treasuries, up to 0.95%, the highest since March, since this whole thing began. And big rises right across Europe as well. There are big responses to the news that Pfizer and BioNTech have announced in stage three of their trials with over 40,000 participants, that their vaccine has been 90% effective. Now, there's been lots of talk that uh, 50 or 60% effective would be quite good. So this is quite a discovery to talk about it. Ray Attrell is head of FX strategy at NAB. So all of a sudden, Ray, I mean, the outcome of the US election seems less important. I mean, there's obviously some caveats and hurdles on this, but this time next year, perhaps COVID-19 could be just a nasty memory and maybe a V-shaped recovery is on the cards after all. Yep, who knows? Morning, Phil. But uh, yes, I'm just trying to write uh, some write some headlines for myself here for my daily report. And Biden Trump's vaccine seems to be the, the working title at the moment. You're wasted. But, uh, yes, so <laughs> undoubtedly, you know, obviously we saw some pretty decent rally in risk markets either side of the weekend mm. on the uh, you know the belief that um, you know the results were genuine and that uh, Biden was president and that uh, he wasn't going to have the Senate to his back. Um, that hasn't been confirmed, of course, but um, certainly, you know, concerns about higher taxes and regulation were taking a back seat and allowing, you know, risk assets to really reflect the, um, you know, the certainty of the election outcome and also, you know, the, 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 you know not having to price in some of the potential adverse impact. And then, uh, but now, of course, we've had this massive tailwind that come from behind with, uh, as you say, that Pfizer BioNTech news, which um, says come out of the blue, but um, the results really are staggering yeah. even dr fauci yeah and we call him the great skeptic as far as the uh, the likely speed of development of, of vaccines um you know has been gushing with his praise for this and also as you say the um you know the apparent success rate is well in excess of uh, of what for example the u.s um, food and drug administration would consider to be appropriate as far as yeah. granting uh, approval for its release and, and the talk is that uh, could be there by christmas and incidentally it's come yesterday remember in australia we had the government announcing that um they would struck a deal with the uh, oxford university astrazeneca yeah. uh, vaccine developments for what 30 million uh, vials of the vaccine 
uh, to be ready early next year. Now, whether they've jumped on the wrong horse sounds like it remains to be seen. Sounds like my Melbourne uh, uh, Cup pick this year. Uh, but there is a downside. <laughs> not go there. We won't go there. That was a bad choice. But, uh, the, yeah, there is the downside of this is it has to be kept very, very cold. So it's not something you can uh, stick in the back of a van and distribute that easily. So that's that maybe the one caveat behind all of this. But, look, there's certainly a rush away from safe havens, isn't there, which is good for the Aussie dollar. The uh, And, you know, that rush away from the yen as well. So the Aussie yen crosses at 76.8 which is the highest since September. The US dollar rose on the uh, on the news. So where does the, the US dollar go from here? I would have thought, you know, if this is like risk off, you know, perhaps you'd be expecting the Aussie dollar, the, the US dollars to be going the other way. No, exactly. No, I must admit, when, um, when I staggered downstairs half an hour ago and heard the news, I thought, well, I wonder whether the Aussie's trading at 74 rather than knocking on the door of, of 73 cents as it was sort of, Late yesterday, um, I think the, you know, the way that we can square that circle is probably to look at the U.S. bond market here with those Treasury yields up 14 basis points. Now, um, yeah. you know, the implication there being that if we are um, you know, pretty close to, to vaccine rollout, then what does that mean for central bank policy stances around the world in terms of the degree of ongoing support that they're going to have to provide to their economies and um, you know if this acts as a little bit of a check and obviously it wouldn't just be the fed but central banks everywhere then uh, but i think given the fairly violent reaction that we've seen particularly in the u.s treasury market with those 10-year yields almost knocking on the door of one percent here we're up to what 94 95 basis points yeah um you know and and that's the sort of a rise in real yields if you like if you look at inflation expectations they've only gone up about half that so uh, so i think maybe you the dollar's come quite a long way in quite a short period of time. The US dollar, that is. And Aussie, obviously, mm. was you know was looking down at 70 this time last week, and we've been above 73. So things have gone quite a long way in quite a short time. But I think maybe just a bit of a reassessment here um, yeah. you know, of what it means for the Fed may just be providing a little bit of an excuse for, for profit-taking on short yeah, US dollar positions. Maybe. Yeah, and also, what about other central banks, of which, of course, the next one is uh, the RBNZ tomorrow, you know, talk of uh, going into negative interest rates and uh, going further. I mean, are they going to uh, water down their approach from here on in? Well, quite possibly. Um, I mean, we don't think that they're going to put the market completely off the scent of negative interest rates. But one thing our BNZ colleagues have been suggesting is that uh, you know, normally when they put out their monetary policy statement, they give a, a kind of forward guidance, if you like, or they give a, an estimated track for their policy rate over uh, several years ahead. Now, they may well decide to pull that rather than sort of embed ne- the certainty, if you like, or the near certainty of negative interest rates into that track. Um, you know, it's still, I mean, all the rhetoric coming out of the RBNZ is certainly consistent with them wanting to go down that route. And they're saying consistently that, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, all their scenarios point to, you know, undesirably low inflation. And that's really the main motive for them doing this. Yeah. But, um, but uh, you know, the numbers have been coming in very, very strong. The housing market in particular, um, it even um, got the attention of uh, Lucinda Ardern yesterday uh, in terms of sort of bubble characteristics that seem to have returned. So, um, so yes, I think at the margin, it, this might, um, you know, this might mean a little bit more caution in, in what we hear in terms of uh, from them tomorrow. 
in terms of the, uh, the certainty or the confidence that uh, the RBN is going to go down this yeah. negative interest rate. question whether the RBA needs to do something to tackle bubble characteristics as well, but maybe that's a, uh, a question for another day. The, what is interesting today is that uh, we've seen uh, this, this big rise in stocks and there's, uh, in the US and you know, expectations, perhaps the S&P uh, is up at 3,620. There's predictions that it's going to go over 4,000 early next year. So, you know, because we, we've got the double whammy now and we've got an optimistic outlook and we've still got that central bank support as well in the meantime. What could possibly go wrong? But it's interesting, isn't it, that um, the, the shares in Europe have gone up much more than they have in the United States, almost as though there's a bit of equalisation going on here. Well, I think one thing to bear, I think coming back to the election, I think that is relevant because one of the mm. threats that was you know, continuing to overhang European markets heading into the election was that, well, if President Trump does get re-elected, um, yeah. you know, is he then, you know, uh, is he then going to be, be turn his sights more onto Europe? Obviously, we had threats of things like tariffs on uh, on car imports, for example. And I think one thing we can probably say with a reasonable degree of confidence is that uh, you know that threat of uh, you know, the US being antagonistic in its relationship with Europe, um, you know, hopefully is now a thing of the past. And uh, so I think from a sentiment point of view, that that is a good thing. I think there's been a few um, you know optimistic soundings on the the passage of the recovery fund as well, which clearly would be a boon for um, European recovery going into next year. So I think those those factors have, have combined to see the European market, which clearly has been a laggard um, you know, relative to the gains that we've seen in US equities, you know, playing catch up, I think, with some justification. Yeah, and I suspect we're going to see quite a bit of rebalancing, aren't we, over the, uh, over the next week, perhaps? I mean, Joe Biden is going to announce his senior roles at the White House. Uh, there's already reports on the executive orders that he'll be uh, signing, which will be basically reversing a lot of what Donald Trump did. So rejoining the Paris Climate Change Agreement, rejoining the World Health Organization, repealing that travel ban on the uh, several majority Muslim countries, uh, maybe rolling back some of the tariffs on China. Uh, I mean, all of this obviously is going to have a, a big influence on the markets over the next few weeks, isn't it? No, absolutely. And I think for us in, in markets, I think one of the key uh, appointments that we're, that we're keenly awaiting is what's he going to do with respect to the Treasury Secretary role? Now, in the lead up to the election, um, you know, the hot tip, if you like, was Lael Brainard, the, um, you know, the Fed governor who had previously been uh, undersecretary at the US Treasury, and I think would be a, you know, a, a pick that would be afforded a huge amount of credibility in markets, but would also dispel the notions that if Biden wins, then um, we were going to see this sort of lurch to lurch to the left, if you like, particularly if somebody like Elizabeth Warren, for example, who apparently had thrown a hat in the ring as a potential Treasury Secretary, um, assuming that is not going to be the case. And obviously, you know, if it turns out that the Senate is going to remain in Republican control, then, um, you know, then those concerns about, um, you know, economic policy that is uh, you know that's not going to be friendly as far from a market perspective are going to be assuaged so that's yeah. of all these picks that's certainly the one that uh, that i'm most focused on at the moment and maybe we'll so, learn something in coming days yeah who is joe biden who's joe biden going to pick and uh, who is donald trump going to get rid of we can expect who's going to be throwing out uh, a lot i think of he's just, just fired uh, somebody overnight i haven't seen yes, who it is it's defense uh, secretary it's okay. defense secretary this morning i suspect he'll be the the, the the first of many uh so we've got that all that structural change going on and we've also seen uh with the with the uh the new 
news on the, of the vaccine, uh, a big shift in the composition of the equity markets as well. The, the telltale sign, wasn't it, that the Nasdaq's not risen as much as everything else. And when you look at uh, airline stocks, uh, British Airways or the IAG, who owns British Airways, rose 25% uh, this morning. American Airlines is up 17%. So obviously it's an expectation we'll all be flying again fairly soon. That's right. I think okay. Carnival, uh, Carnival Cruise is one of the biggest, I think. That, uh, I must admit, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm still not at the front of the queue there for, uh, for a round no. the world cruise, but uh, there you go. That's a sign of complete confidence, isn't it, if you're willing to get on another floating Petri dish. Uh, look, the uh, the NAB business survey is out today. Last time, conditions edged up a little. Confidence was down a little, both well below average. Uh, I'm just wondering how useful, uh, obviously it's a very useful uh, document, but I'm just wondering how useful it is this time, given we've had two significant pieces of news, the US election and the vaccine news. Well, that's it. I think that's the, I mean, always, always important, of course, and say we had some modest improvements, as you say. Um, but uh, no clues as to what uh, what today will bring. But but obviously with the uh, you know with the the vaccine news, even these sort of almost real time indicators that we're used to looking at, you know, open table mm. bookings and uh, you know and, and traffic congestion etc. Almost they seem to be a bit uh, a bit last year, don't they? When it's now you know markets are in a position perhaps to look forward. Um, rather yeah. than backwards with a little bit more confidence. But uh, you know, all that said, let's just remember where the virus situation is in the US. Yeah, um, you know, we're yeah, three months that's what away. I to say, are, mm-hmm. are we going to get carried away with this? Is there going to be a great deal of enthusiasm over the next 24 hours? And then we're going to remember those numbers. For example, 92% of all ICU beds in France are now taken with COVID-19 victims. And, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing it throughout Europe and obviously in the United States as well. And in the US, Maybe this is going to be used as another excuse not to uh, introduce that uh, that fiscal stimulus package as well. So uh, we've got to get through all of this. Yeah, no, that will. I think that will be important. I've had a few sort of optimistic soundings that uh, you know some sort of a package, you know, and, and, and as early as, as next month is still possible. But I think that is going to be something of a of a swing factor as that you know, the virus news, particularly in the US, but also parts of Europe, is inevitably going to get worse before it gets better. So then, uh, just for for the record, job openings for the United States for early September, uh, for September, I should say, early tomorrow. UK employment numbers later on today as well. The inflation rate for China, I suspect not. uh, We get uh, uh, some confidence numbers, uh, Zoo survey from uh, Germany as well. I suspect none of that's going to be particularly market moving because they've been trumped by the virus and the vaccine. No, I think that's true to start to find out. I think the ZEW survey would be worth a, be worth a mention at least. And, and the China inflation numbers, I think, will be a salutary reminder, particularly the producer price numbers, which are likely to be close to minus 2%, that we still have some pretty strong deflationary um, headwinds effectively blowing across the world from China. So I think that mm. just a reminder, let's not get carried away with what central banks might be doing here. Their big problem is dealing with disinflation and deflation. Yeah. And that'll be a reminder that that's still the case. Still a lot of work to do. Great to talk. Catch you again soon, Ray. Thank well, you. Thanks, Phil. Well, I hope that's uh, bright and your morning. That's it for the morning call for this Tuesday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.